In this episode, we're going to learn about promoting yourself through the partnership model and through articles and journals and our tip of the week. Hi, I'm Sheldon Primus, and I'm here to help you learn the business of safety consulting. This podcast, The Safety Consultant, will give you the tools to be your own boss by protecting the safety and health of others. It's a win-win. But before this episode, here's a message from our sponsor. Start your own safety consulting business. Your knowledge and experience can give you the freedom of being your own boss. I'm Sheldon Primus. I've been a consultant since 2008. I've developed the Safety Consultant Blueprint to give you a step-by-step guidance to get your safety consulting business started. Go to safetyconsultantblueprint.com, enter the code PODCAST for 20% off of your registration. Experience the amazing feeling of taking charge of your own destination while helping others become safe and sound. Okay, welcome back. So, this week we're going to continue with our series, and this series is coming from the book Seven Steps to Creating. Well, let's get it right. Seven Steps to Starting a Profitable Safety Consulting Business. So this is my book you get on Amazon. You just go to Amazon.com, type in Sheldon Primus, or just type in Seven Books for Starting a Profitable Safety Consulting Business, and you should stumble onto it. I'll do a link in the show notes. So I got to get really fancy about show notes. This is only episode three, right? So I got to I gotta start getting all that stuff going. So what we're going to do today, uh, the steps, by the way, which I probably didn't mention before, but uh, number one was to choose a universal name that relates to your target market. Number two was to secure your domain name as soon as possible. Number three was to start your business before you quit your job. Number four was to write articles for trade journals and other publications. Number five was to get a safety designation. Number six, become an authorized OSHA instructor. And then number seven, partner with an association or safety and health organization. So those are the seven steps to starting a profitable safety consulting business. And that's really just the start. That's your basics. Uh, we could write more books about what to do next after those seven steps to advance your business and then to retain clients. And then also uh, there's so many facets on the safety consulting side. So right now we're just going to uh, choose these primary episodes to get you started. So as each episode in each week goes on, then we can start building on the advanced knowledge that you already have. So last week we talked about, uh, we combined step one and two, which is choose your universal name that relates to your target market. And then once you get that, secure your domain name as soon as possible. So now that you're doing that, and the tip last week was to get your business card. So now you've got a few things ready to go. Starting your business before you quit your job, step number three. We're actually going to combine that with step four, and we're going to talk about also writing articles in trade journals and publications. So uh, currently, I have been writing articles as a ghostwriter, but when I first got started, 
I started out writing articles for trade journals, and then I will from time to time. I'll go back and I'll write for for other trade journals just to make sure that um, I, I get the name out there. So the thing that I wanted to talk about briefly before we get into the other topic, so we'll split the episode like I mentioned before, is starting your business now. So one of the things we mentioned in uh, way back in, in episode one, way, way back in the way back episode one, back in time, was uh, that tip was to make sure that you get your business started first. And truly, that's a big, big tip because it ages your company. And you want your company to age as quickly as you can so that, let's say you start in 2019 and you're doing it part-time. You can't go full-time yet, but you want to start part-time. So if you're starting part-time and you want to go full-time in 2025 or 2024 or when you hit a certain age and you're ready to go full-time then, your business will already say established as of 2019. That's what I did with uh, with my business. So I actually started it in 2008. I started in conjunction from uh, when I actually uh, went into, uh, we bought a house and we bought this home. Once we did, uh, I decided to use that as being the stepping stone to getting the business started. So I used that address instead of the apartment address. To me, it was a milestone to not have the address of my business being an apartment number. So that's what I did. Since then, we've actually sold the house and my wife and I are living full time in RV life because that's the life we choose. So I could go and uh, visit clients from all over the world and country and then also uh, do some business trips at the same time. So that's that's truly how I, I appreciate life right now. So one of the, the reasons I wanted to get the company aged was so that when I did start putting on my business card, my company information, it would also say in business since 2008 or something of that, of that sort. Or if someone were to ask, you know, how long you've been in business, they said, oh, we started in 2008. They didn't really need to know the details of me being part-time before I was full-time, which is okay. I, I think it's not lying because this truly isn't unless they ask and I say, no, I was full-time the whole time. But I was part-time, but the business was still running. And I decided to go full-time in 2012 because at that time I was already burnt out. And uh, you could hear the whole story back in episode one, but I was ready to get into working for myself. So at that time, when I wanted to transition, I had basically five years that it showed that I was actually a full-time, or excuse me, I was in business. I was doing taxes, I was doing everything else I needed to do for the business. So according to the IRS, according to uh, other clients that I had, even part-time, that I was in business. It aged my company, so therefore, when someone wanted to take a class for me, I could actually say I've got history of doing this class from however long it was. And at that time period, I only had about four or five classes that I was rotating and doing uh, over and over again. And what I did was I would uh, part-time now, set the classes up, do my own marketing, make a place for me to get money. And it was truly by uh, people writing checks to me. 
that's that's really how I started. So I set up a course. I'd send out flyers. I'll send out emails. This is the course. Here's the course location. I'd make the location uh, available so that I could uh, have a room set. I would make my contract. So if there was a two-week period that I could cancel before I needed to uh, to be committed to paying that space and that will ensure that I had enough people to make it profitable so I, my classes would be on days off or it would be on um, uh, weekends so that's how I got it going initially until I got my foot in the door got better at it I decided okay let's do this full-time because I want to be with my clients during their operation hours, during their business hours. So that's the, uh, the reason why I decided that I was going to go full-time in 2012, but I wanted to start the business in 2008. And that also will afford you tax deductions. So your home office that you have, you just got to follow all the tax rules, but that square footage that I used for my home office was equals uh, equal to a certain amount of tax deduction I had. Uh, some dinners that we did, my wife was uh, part of my board, so as being part of my board doing dinners, that again was something that we could uh, put as part of our uh, business. And so all those little expenses that I had anytime I, I did training, when I was doing my OSHA compliance, I did my 10 and my 30-hour uh, OTIs, which is OSHA Training Institutes. I did the courses that would allow me to be an authorized OSHA instructor. That became tax deductible. So that was also a strategy that I used with aging my company first. So you could do that. Use it to help you out. Use it in such a way that you now could use uh, the tax write-off, get your business going a little at a time, get your uh, full regular salary coming at you so you could uh, still have that as your backup and then ease into going full-time. Some people just, you know, they're fed up with work. <laughs> that's it. I'm going full-time and that's it. You'll see them. Uh, they'll start their business. That means the 401k money is going to go uh, very quickly if you don't have any direction as to how to spend it and that is is another life lesson there so if you were to take the safety consulting course there's even a, a part of that course where I mentioned that that life lesson so that's first part you want to age that business as much as you can just so that when you're ready to go full-time that you could already have a business that someone could say Hey, I've seen them, or I know that they've been around for a while, and you could get that work-life balance going and everything else. It gives you practice first before you have to hit the ground running. It gets you support. It gets you clients. If there's so many good reasons to start your business first before quitting your job. Then the second thing that I wanted to focus on was writing articles and presentations and doing presentations for trade journals and other publications. So when I got started, 
I was asked to write for an organization called Treatment Plant Operators, and they specialized in the wastewater and drinking water operators and made sure that that segment had some representation in a professional setting. So they asked me to write articles primarily for compliance issues. So in return for writing that article or writing those articles, it was free, and you could just look it up if you wanted to see it, tpo.com, and when you get there on a search box, just type in Sheldon Primus, you can see all the articles I've written for them, and it was some safety and health, some was wastewater treatment, some was even wastewater math, things that I was good at, so those are uh, what I used, however, I used that as a springboard too, so not only did I write the article with my own byline, it also had a portfolio, a little bio of me. So the bio is this is Sheldon Primus, owner of Utility Compliance. And to reach him, here's the email. Or to reach him, here's the number. So it did give me people who would respond to my emails, excuse me, respond to my articles by emails so that I could then reach out to them if they were close enough to be clients at the time because I didn't travel then. I stayed in Florida. So then I could reach out to them, get them on the, the client base. Some clients you could have, even if you're stationary at one location, you could do their written programs, review their written programs, or do something else that could uh, be completely online so that you can still use that contact information from writing your articles for uh, growing your business. This is different than ghostwriting. The reason why it's different from ghostwriting, and I do that too, but ghostwriting, you are that. You are truly in the background. Your words are being read, but there's no reference of you being the writer. It's usually going to be posted by whoever the company is that hired you to be their ghostwriter, but you're the person who is writing the articles. So that's different. If you're going to try to grow your business by being a ghostwriter, chances are it's not going to grow the way you want it to for the mere fact that you're not going to get the recognition that you, you want. Because being a ghostwriter, you're not going to get anyone that's going to know this is Sheldon's article. Uh, so I've, I've done that too. And in, right now, as, as the, uh, the date of this um, recording, I'm still a ghostwriter for, for some organizations. So they use my words, they use my thoughts, they use my research. They get the credit for it. However, I get paid a supplemental income for providing that uh, service for them. So that's another way to get supplemental income, but it's not a way to grow your business per se. If you want to grow your business by being a ghostwriter, that's going to come from word of mouth so or your resume. So you would have to talk to that company and say, hey, is it okay if I mention that I am your ghostwriter so that I could gain more business? And that's another way to, to get some business on that end. But specifically, if you can find your trade journals, there's trade journals for your just about any trade, really. If you're um, a pipe fitter, look for a pipe fitter association. Uh, for me, wastewater, I saw the wastewater operation association, drinking water associations, any of those uh, associations out there. 
You'd look for them, see if you could be a ghostwriter. Uh, not only associations that you are familiar with, try to reach out the box. For me, I didn't know anything about pest management, truly nothing about pest management, except every once in a while you see the tents in the restaurant and you know you're not going to go there because they've been tented. That's what I needed. But I reached out to Florida Pest Management Association, and we got a, a working deal from them uh, to do some safety and health work. And uh, I would I created a YouTube presentation, and you could probably still see it now. I believe it's on my utility compliance YouTube page. And at the time, I didn't know to use OSHA compliance help yet, so I was still using utility compliance, and I created an actual utility compliance uh, sponsored video for Florida Pest Management Association and it was specifically on OSHA compliance for the pest uh, management sector. So I gave them a list of things that they should look for to keep them OSHA compliant and that actually branched off into doing a four series presentation to their members we went to we split up the state of florida into four sections and i went to each one of these sections i got paid to present the same material to the people there their members and therefore i got the credibility of the association by uh, being sponsored by them and I got clients out of it because people came to me after the presentation and says, hey, I may need you to take a look at this, or can you talk to my guys here? And that's the benefit of doing that. All of the, the things that you do, the activities that you do, if you're writing for a journal, if you're doing a presentation, you're doing it with the caveat that I will be able to promote. So I didn't overtly, in every presentation, uh, put, you know, hire Sheldon Primus. I didn't do that. What I did do is I kept my cards with me. And when people could talk to me about what they were thinking after their presentation or before their presentation, I'll give them a card. I'll tell them, hey, if you want, uh, come in. I could do a free service for you. Or uh, just send me an email. And uh, I usually did the email first. And the reason why you do your email first to them is because they're busy. They're not really looking to uh, spend more money unless there's a driver to get them to OSHA compliance. But you're the person who's looking to uh, reach out and to get business so it's the onus is on you to make sure that you reach out to them so i would get their card give them my card i would do the follow-up email just to say hey this is what i'm doing uh, we talked here at this location and would you be interested in this so that's the uh that's how i i proceeded with that but doing those presentations doing those journal articles got my foot in the door you want to get your foot in the door so that when you do you just kick those doors down and you uh, present yourself as the professional and you get as many eyes on you as possible through your writing or through your presentation that will garner some more business 
So very key idea, key thought. It seems elementary. So the way to really break it down to be a guest author would be uh, going to the associations or even if you're starting online, look at a few of these uh, associations that you may actually be more familiar with, especially if you're a member. If you're a member of an association, you just write to their marketing person. That's usually who's going to be responsible. So you write a little email to the marketing person or if there's an um, editor, you write an email to the editor, tell the editor that you are uh, the safety consultant, you specialize in this, or you could help them in this, uh, you know that it's value added to their members because their members may need this type of safety service or need this compliance service. So that value added relationship is going to get your foot in the door. Uh, and once you're agreeing to do the articles, make sure you uh, also notify them or tell them that I would like to promote. It's not going to be in article promotion. Sometimes I did. I, I, I got to be honest. Sometimes I did. Like, for instance, when I started working for Water Online, that's another one of the utility, uh, liquid utility uh, associations. Whenever I did my own webinar or if I had my own training going, then I would link to the words that was associated with it. For instance, there's something called the Risk Management Program, RMP. It's akin to the OSHA Process Safety Management System. So I was doing some RMP work, and I had an RMP program that I was going to do and a webinar is going to do. So I wrote this big article just about... Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It might have been something as catchy as five steps to this or seven steps to that. And uh, it was specifically about process safety management. And that's anybody that has highly hazardous chemicals in such a degree that if there was a release, it's going to affect the general neighborhood you know, and make you know people sick or ill or whatever. So I was giving them compliance tips. And the compliance tips also related to the webinar is going to do. So I did a link to the webinar, and from the article, I was able to get people to uh, register for the webinar. If you didn't know, webinars are very good. It helps you grow your business. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But the webinars are there to get you first looking at as a professional. Secondly, it's going to be informative. So you're giving, giving, giving value. And then the webinars are set up where you could get someone's name and email. So when you get that name, you get that email from the webinar, then now you could get them on your email list. Once they're on your email list, then now you could control the relationship a little bit better. Someone reading your article, they're reading your article. They're not really going to reach out to you unless you strike a chord. So the articles have to be in such a way that you will strike a chord to get some response back. Uh, but if you're doing a webinar, uh, they're already giving you their information that you could reuse and reuse to keep informed with them.
So that's the the idea behind writing uh, trade journals and getting involved or affiliated with an association so that you could deliver value to their members uh, by doing some sort of webinar, some sort of training. That's the uh, the idea behind it. When you are doing your uh, presentations or even your your actual articles, one of the best things to do with articles is you want to make sure that in any article you want to have that article to have some sort of uh, catchy name. So I mentioned just previously, the name of the article was five steps to this or seven steps to that. A lot of people love articles with that type of wording. The reason is, is they already know it's only going to take them five steps to read it, seven steps to read it. So in their mind, they're thinking, okay, I could get through this article really easy because then I don't have to devote so much time so much energy into reading this article i only have three steps i only got five steps and to boot it's also a catchier phrase and a catchier word for someone to uh, open the article because one of the things that you're going to be looking for is readership if you have a good readership then they're going to inc uh, they're going to ask you back to write another article and another article so i would get reports on which articles were highly received very well and when i did get those articles then i could write another one a lot of the articles that were highly received were uh articles regarding OSHA compliance and articles regarding uh, the top 10 OSHA violations. For some reason, everyone loves those, so I kept writing about those, and I'll rewrite it, revisit it again. That's a good way to get yourself out there. So that is the, the, the idea behind getting yourself first and foremost uh, let's let's go back so you we know what our, our, our segment was so this segment we covered first and getting yourself uh, started in your business before you quit your job and then secondly we talked about writing articles and presentations for trade journals and other publications just to get your name out doing those presentations so let's take a little break when we come back I'll give you guys the tip of the week This week, what we're going to do for the tip of the week is we want to make sure that you will go out there and take some action. So one of the things I did mention before we took our break 
was who to talk to, and that is going to be the person who is your marketing director. So if you want to look out, reach out for the marketing director. If you can't get the marketing director, uh, then the editor, if you're writing uh, something, and then the other person would be the executive director. So those are your three people that you're looking for. You're looking for the editor, the marketer, or the executive director. So the tip that goes with this is when you're there and you're actually um, trying to get a meeting with them, first you want to introduce yourself very quickly. So get your 30-second elevator speech ready. So your 30-second elevator speech is going to tell them a little bit about yourself, a little bit about uh, what your business would be, a little bit about what your vision is, and then try to get the final, you know, can we meet back here? So have that ready. I'm not saying you're going to need it yet, but just have that ready. So the, the tip that goes with that is you want to make sure that the first communication isn't the sale. Don't try to sell and pitch, pitch, pitch right away. The first communication is going to be the introduction. Get yourself to get common ground as much as you can with that decision maker and then you want to listen to what they need so if there is something that you could hear in the conversation that says oh i could provide this then that's what you're going to learn and, and revolve your pitch around so for instance uh I, my first meeting with uh, Alan, and Alan was at the time the head of the Florida Pest Management Association. He was the executive director. So I didn't know him. I just knew from a friend of mine who was a pest management uh, professional that he belonged to this association and that they do continuing education training. So I called him up, talked to Alan, who was the executive director at the time, and said, hey, I'm going to be in your area, and I'd like to see if I could sit down and introduce myself to you and find out a little bit more about your association and how I could help your members, because they have to serve their members. So I went there, I met with them. I wasn't really going to be in the area. I just said that because I wanted to get into the area and get that appointment. So when I did get in the area, then I had other appointments to do, and, and surely I, I was able to do more. But the idea was I got started, and I talked about him first. So that's what you want to do. So that's the tip of the week. Make sure you talk about them first, and then you can pitch later. So touch you guys later. Have a wonderful week, and go get them. The Safety Consultant Podcast is brought to you by the Safety Consultant Blueprint Course. To take this course, go to www.safetyconsultantblueprint.com. If you have any questions about this podcast or want to find out more from the show notes, go to safetyconsultantpodcast.com. And please like or subscribe to the Safety Consultant Podcast wherever you listen to this podcast.